turning to the Gospel of John chapter 3 this morning. Uh, we're going to read a, a, a longer portion of the text than will be directly preached on, mostly because John 3, 16, 17, 18 are so powerful and so powerfully ingrained in uh, who we are as Christians and in the culture uh, as well that I want us to be sure that we uh, grasp how that is connected to what precedes it, which is what we're going to focus on, uh, the connection with Jesus and Nicodemus and that conversation that uh, opens up the gospel of John chapter 3. So now that the kids are, uh, have found their way online, let's hear together the word of the Lord from John chapter 3. 1 through 22. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You're Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you don't understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we've seen, but you still, still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things because, uh, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak to you of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds would be exposed. But whoever lives in truth And by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. This is God's word offered to us in its reading and in its hearing. So I give thanks. We give thanks to the Lord God Almighty. Uh, Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Almighty God, to you all hearts are open and all desires are known. From you no secrets are hidden. And so we come into this space, into this time, seeking 
those sacred secrets. Lord, what you have revealed to us in your word, we seek diligently in this time of worship. We ask, O oh God, that you would reveal yourself to us in new and fresh ways and help us to know what it means to walk in the way that leads to life. Lord, open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear, our minds that would come to know and understand your word and your will. Open our hearts that we would feel its power. Then we ask, O oh God, that you would open our hands, that we would then in response offer grace to the world. We do pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So as uh, those of you in uh, in-person worship saw on your way in to worship, I did turn 40 this weekend. Um, yeah, for those of you online, someone, someone's plural put up at one of those like yard signs and it says, Lordy, Lordy, Jason's turn 40. I was 30 years old whenever Lauren and I moved to Creekside, called by God to plant this church. Uh, I'm not 30 anymore, and I feel it. Uh, and actually, yesterday, uh, I was driving back from Bridge City, where Aiden and I uh, did some relief work over, uh, over the, the course of the, the day. And as I was driving, I thought to myself, I feel 40. This hurts. I, I actually uh, was thinking to myself about this scripture, about this passage, and about the teaching that the Lord had laid on my heart. And I was thinking to myself that I, like Nicodemus, want to learn a little bit more about this new birth. Like, because I need things to be born again in me because I hurt everywhere. You, you see, Aiden and I, we, we were connected with uh, Miss Leah and Mr. William. They live in Bridge City, uh, right on the saltwater marsh. And uh, they had the northern wind come through from Hurricane Laura, and it ripped their roof off and tore through their property and knocked down multiple trees and topped other trees. And their, their roof came off like this. The, the backside of their roof, the, the chimney, the wind caught the chimney and ripped the chimney off of its anchorings. And, and then there was a section of roll roofing that then uh, uh, tra transitioned into their shingle roofing. But the, the chimney just bowled over, ripped up the roll roofing, and then the wind caught it and it just rolled over into a mangled mess so that the entire back of their home had no roof anymore. And, uh, of course, the rain from Laura poured in their home on Wednesday night, and then on Thursday there were storms on Friday, and again storms yesterday where the rain was coming into their home and continuing to inflict damage day after day. Now, you might wonder, where's William in this, Mr. William? Mr. William is in his mid-50s, but Mr. William works as a valve operator and manager for the local refineries. So starting Tuesday last week, he's been working 12 to 18 hour shifts, shutting off the refineries and cranking them back up, managing the valves. So Leah, their daughter, who went through a surgery last week, their two granddaughters, and Mr. William have all been living in a home since Laura blew through where rain and water continued to immerse their property. 
And so Aiden and I, we went with chainsaws and tarps in hand, and uh, we joined into the fray. We cut down trees or cut, cut up trees. We built huge, uh, like, uh, uh, burn piles, which I asked Miss Leah to be sure she invites me to whenever we get the burning because it, they're huge, and it's going to be like you're going to see it from space. It's awesome. Uh, and, uh, and we were able to tear up the roofing that was, uh, that was rolled up and mangled and put a tarp on their roof, and I pray that they're going to be dry until they can get uh, the help they need. But after all of that, I was sore from the top of my neck all the way to the base of my feet, and I thought to myself, I need this new birth. Like, I, I need something uh, different, something fresh, because I feel absolutely horrid. Uh, something that even uh, four ibuprofen and a couple of glasses of wine didn't seem to uh, knock out whenever I got home last night. But, you know, sometimes we fixate on the wrong things, and sometimes we, we orient only on uh, the literal. Have you ever had to have a conversation with someone that was entirely literal? That, that metaphor, uh, simile, story were lost on them. That they, they only functioned in, in the, the literal. Now, most of these people are like wicked smart, right? Like they're, they're incredibly intelligent, but their mind only focuses on like, like numbers and provable facts. Uh, and they, they cannot function in metaphor. But, but, but that's, that's how Jesus operates and so when Nicodemus comes and he talks with Jesus, uh, Jesus is teaching him in story and metaphor. And Nicodemus is like, but, but, but born. This is what I know of birth. Birth looks like this and birth operates like this. And, and you're speaking, I can't, I don't understand. But, but the, to set up the framework of this, let's be sure we understand what's going on. Nicodemus is one of the ruling class of the Jewish authorities. And he, uh, he, he in that in that context, cannot go publicly to talk to Jesus, cannot proclaim publicly uh, about who he and we, he says, even when he offers his statement to Jesus, who we think you are and what we think you're doing, because it might undercut his authority. And so he goes at night and he approaches Jesus and he says, Jesus, we know that you have to be from God because... What you do, you can't do without God. That seems reasonable. It seems rational. He's, he's, he's logical. He worked his conclusion. And so then Jesus offers what, what I would articulate as maybe even a word of invitation. We'll get more to that later. He says, very truly, I tell you, no one, no one can, can experience this, can actually, here's how he terms it, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again or born from above. No one, can, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. That's an incredibly dense statement that Jesus offers. It's one that requires much unpacking. And, and here's where, what Nicodemus got stuck on, the word born. 
We have, we have no one can see. What does that mean? The kingdom of God. Let's talk about that. Unless they are born uh, from above or born again. And, and, and Nicodemus gets fixated on that one piece and misses the grander scheme. But it's worth us digging into both the grander scheme and, and the power of the metaphor that Jesus is offering. That Nicodemus in his literal framework of thinking has to struggle with. Born. He questions, how can one be born again? How can one see the kingdom of God is lost on him? Jesus talks often about the kingdom of God. It's actually one of the the most uh, discussed uh, topics in all of Jesus' ministry. 64 times the, the kingdom of God is talked about. The kingdom of heaven, an additional, I think it was like 32, 34 times as well. But, but if we want to know a little bit more about what Jesus says about the kingdom of God, we can turn to Luke 17, uh, 20 and 21, and, and it describes what this might mean to see the kingdom of God. So once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. The kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is here. It's it's in your very midst. It's around you. If you would be able to see it, acknowledge it, the kingdom of God is in your midst. What a profound offering for us to be able to see the kingdom of God. And yet we find ourselves maybe getting stuck on born from above, born Again, whenever we, we might need to begin by saying, okay, if the kingdom of God is in our midst, if we're able to see the kingdom of God, then, then maybe the kingdom of God is not to be constrained, it's not to be located or limited in any way, but the kingdom of God is so vast, it's so expansive, it's in this world, and it's not, and it's not only in this world, it's a kingdom that is here on earth, but it's also a kingdom in heaven. It's a kingdom that, that shows us how the temporal is made eternal and also how the eternal is forever, and we get to participate in that the kingdom of God is so much more than we could even imagine. And Jesus says, if you want to see the kingdom of God, and Nicodemus says, tell me more about this born peace. Life is painful. Life is challenging. Sometimes I wish I could just start over. Maybe I have regrets. Maybe I have, uh, maybe I have guilt. And if I have any of those things, what would it mean for this birth to happen? I don't understand it. Nicodemus says, uh, how can someone re-enter their mother's womb? That, that is illogical. And in my literal framework, it doesn't work. But this offering, this offering to see the kingdom of God Jesus lays it out even further. He says this birth, this birth isn't this physical thing that, 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 that your mind is, is stuck on. He describes it in this way in verse 6. He says, see, the flesh gives birth to flesh. Okay, so you're talking about a, a birth that, that you can understand. 
You came from your mother's womb. Flesh begot flesh. And so that's, that's one framework, one way of thinking, the literal way of approaching it. But maybe there's something more here. In verse, in verse 6 it says, But the Spirit gives birth to spirit. The Spirit gives birth to spirit. He goes on to say that, that you must be born again. It means that you must be born of water and the Spirit. In verse 5, the kingdom of God says that, uh, that they are born of water and the Spirit. So if you want to see this kingdom of God, you must be born of water and the Spirit. Today is a special day in the life of the church. Today, August 30th, 2020, uh, we end the waiting for a group of 13 students that are going to be confirmed. Uh, confirmation here at Covenant begins in the fall. It begins right after Labor Day, and they journey over the course of what is typically nine months. This group got some bonus time. Uh, they, can, they continued uh, through the pandemic on Zoom. Then they even had uh, a, a confirmation retreat uh, just instead of an overnight during the day last Saturday here at the church, socially distanced with masks and all. And today they'll be confirmed. What does confirmation look like? Confirmation digs into the Word of God and, and journeys through it in the meta-narrative of Scripture. Then it digs into theology and understanding what grace and trinity mean, what, what the Lord's Prayer details for us by testimony and witness, what the Apostles' Creed means, and we dig into the theology. But in the end, confirmation is about what takes place today. Being born of water and the Spirit. You see that the students are going to come up on this stage and, and I'm going to ask them the three questions of the profession of faith. Questions that we at Covenant have grown accustomed to hearing and that, that I love repeating often because they, they anchor us. They give us rootedness in what it is we stand for and what it is we profess. Do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? And do you confess that Jesus Christ is your Savior? Put your whole trust in His grace and promise to serve Him as your Lord in union with the church. I guarantee you, whenever those confirmation students stand here this evening and I ask them those questions and they say, I do, with a heart filled with spiritual conviction, the gates of hell will shudder because new members of the army of God have been added to the number. And so the, the, the baptism by water and the Spirit continues because one at a time they're going to come and there will be a kneeler here in the middle of this space. And family members will lay hands on students and, and, and on children. And then uh, the pastors of the church and Peyton Ruddick, our youth director, will lay our hands on them. We'll call upon the Holy Spirit for the baptism of the Holy Spirit to be upon them, for them to experience. Experience the, the, the indwelling of God in them. And they will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then for those that, that have already been baptized, we'll have a reaffirmation of baptism so they'll experience afresh and anew what it means to be born of the water. And for the eight students that have not been baptized, we'll go over to the baptistry and one at a time, uh, they will be immersed in the waters of baptism. And there they will die with Christ so that they will rise to life in Christ as well. They will be born today of water 
and the Spirit. And so they will be able to see the kingdom of God. You see, this is the invitation, the gift that Jesus is offering to all of us. He, he says to Nicodemus and he says to us as well, very truly I tell you, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you got to be born again. Born of water and the Spirit. If you want to see the kingdom of God, you have to be born of water and the Spirit. You, you see, this, this born again, born from above, is entirely applicable. And, and there are some nuanced differences that we see in, in what our understanding of a physical, earthly, flesh birth are and what the spiritual birth is. And, and I think when Jesus raises this metaphor, he wants us to see both the differences and also the similarity. We'll get to the similarity in a second. There's two differences that, that I would highlight. The first is a difference around where our sustenance comes from. When we are in our mother's womb, we are entirely dependent upon our mother for sustenance and it just comes to us as long as our mother is eating right and taking care of herself then we will have all the sustenance we need to grow and they go to the doctor and they get their their uh, uh what's the picture called ultrasound thank you for your help because i had a brain fart uh they, they have the ultrasound, and they, and they get measurements, and you see how, how, how uh, the baby is growing, and you see how much sustenance the baby is getting, and, and the doctor can tell the mother, mother, y- you need to eat more because the baby is not being nourished enough, or, uh, hey, mama, slow down. Um, no, no doctor would ever say that. Never. Rude. Uh, but we could tell that sustenance is entirely dependent upon the mother whenever the baby is in the womb, but whenever the baby is born and breathes that first breath, whenever, whenever they cry out that first cry, and for most of us, that, that, is, that is in that initial moment, then some of you have those angel babies that just don't cry. I don't understand those. But whenever that happens from that moment on, the sustenance is... Uh, it is offered by parents, but gradually over the course of time, we become more and more dependent on ourselves. We learn that we have to tell someone what we need. And then as we grow older, we start to provide it for ourselves. Even in our, uh, in our five, six, seven-year-old years, maybe we go downstairs when we're hungry and we raid the refrigerator on our own. Maybe we don't ask permission to eat whenever it is time to ask permission. Maybe we ask for lunch whenever we've already had lunch and ask for dinner whenever it's still uh, not yet dinner time. We start to begin to provide sustenance for ourselves And that's a part of the transition from flesh to flesh, from that mother's womb into life. But what is this difference now if we're born again? Whenever we are born again, we now know that our sustenance, our provision, all that sustains us comes from God. 
It is no longer something someone else provides for us, and it is no longer what we provide for ourselves, but our sustaining power comes from God. So that is the invitation first to embrace this difference, this unique new birth, this birth that is not of flesh but is now of spirit that says, I am born again, my sustaining power comes from God. Then the second difference is is a difference around perishability. We all know how, how fragile life in the womb is. We know of uh, wives, mothers, daughters, friends, or maybe even ourselves know of miscarriages and the pain that that can be to experience because life in the womb is fragile. And then we acknowledge and understand through our own human experience and through a a personal relationship with death and loss and mourning that life in this world is temporary. That there is nothing that any of us can do to make life in this world eternal unless we embrace this difference that being born not of flesh but now being born of spirit is to embrace a life that is not fragile, that is not temporary, but is absolutely imperishable. It is, in fact, eternal. And so for us to be born again is to be born of the spirit that empowers us to live with God forever in his kingdom here on earth, his kingdom eternal in heaven for us to experience imperishability. That is our gift. So to be born again has these two differences between this flesh birth and this spirit birth. But I I think that there's one uh, beautiful beautiful connection that is actually similar that helps us to understand how Jesus gives this invitation. He says, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you will be born again. Very truly, I tell you. So it taps into that vision language. When we are born from our mother's womb and we crack our eyes open, there's a salve that is put upon our eyes. And then whenever we are able to see, how far can we see? Just what's right in front of us. And and whenever you hold your baby in your arms and you see them look at you and for the first time there is clarity in the image in their eyes, in their face, acknowledge as they see you. Because everything else in the world is blurry and unclear, but, but from here to here they can see you. And when you sense that for the first time, you are overwhelmed. Because you have been seen and because you have been known. 
And as we grow, as we live life in this world, we see not only what is near, but we see more and more until we can see everything around us. So it's not just uh, what is close by, but we can see the world. It's the same when you're born of the Spirit. You see, when you're born of the Spirit, the kingdom of God is this new, fresh thing. And you'll see glimpses of the kingdom of God up close, impersonal. And you're like, wow, that's the kingdom of God. I cannot believe I didn't see that before. And the more and more you live in the Spirit, the more and more you live in the kingdom of God, the more you see the kingdom of God unfolding all around you. And you can't help but notice how the kingdom of God is magnificent and it's everywhere. And you want to see it more and you want to participate in what God is doing there in his kingdom more and more and more. And so whenever Jesus says, if you want, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. You have to be born into this into this eternal life that is not fragile or temporary. You have to be born into this life that is sustained by the power of the Holy Spirit, that God is the sustaining work in our lives. And you have to be born into a life that sees more and more each and every day of God's holy kingdom. Sometimes I laugh because we use this term born-again Christian. Are you a born-again Christian? And, and quite honestly, it seems redundant in its phrasing, right? It's like, uh, are you a following Jesus Christian? Are you a loving Christian? Uh, are, are, you, are you a Christian uh, who believes in the word of God? All of these things are coupled together. And so to be a born-again Christian is actually redundant because unless you've been born by water and the Spirit, unless you've been born again, not only of the flesh, but now of the Spirit, unless you've been born into a way that you can see the kingdom of God all around you, you're not a Christian. This is what it means to be a Christian. And that's why Jesus articulated it that way to Nicodemus. And that's why he articulates it that way to us today. If you want to be a Christian, this is what it looks like. And so that's actually our invitation. I want you to hear that invitation in John chapter 3, verse 3 from Jesus. Very truly, I tell you if, you, if you wish to see the kingdom of God, be born again. If you, if you want to be a part of what I am doing as Lord of all creation, as Lord of all the earth, accept me as your personal Lord. And in so doing, you'll see the world in a new, fresh way. Sometimes I think I, I miss that. I think I read the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus as one that's, that's full of frustration on Jesus's part, one, one that's full of, of, of just uh, wondering how can you be so dense with Nicodemus, and I wonder if he feels that way with me sometimes, but that's not, that's not how I believe 
it was with Jesus's spirit, how it was with Jesus's heart when he when he was talking with Nicodemus. I think he desired Nicodemus to understand this. He wanted Nicodemus to grasp this as an invitation. And he broke it down in such a way where Nicodemus could understand it and come around it. And that's what he's doing for us today. He's offering you an invitation to see his kingdom by being born again. So we're going to enter into a time of prayer. And if, if you have never offered your life to Christ, we're going to give you space to, to, to call upon his name and receive his Holy Spirit and to be born of his spirit, to be born again. If you've done that already, we're going to, we're going to just sit and bask in the glory of what it is to know the kingdom of God around us, to see the kingdom of God in our midst. And we're going to ask that God would do it more and more again and again in our lives. So I invite you in this space and time to bow with me for a word of prayer as we approach God's heavenly throne. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, wherever we are in our, in our walk with you, we come before you, knowing the truth of your gospel, that, that for, for us to, to see your kingdom, we're, we we, we must be born again, and so we pause in this moment to reflect on the truth of our walk with you, to take an assessment of, of whether or not we have offered our whole hearts to you, whether we have offered lordship over our lives to you. And so I pause and just invite us into a time of assessment and reflection. Lord, where am I in my walk with you? God, we come before you and for each and every one that has a spiritual assurance uh, that knows in their hearts that they have offered their lives to you. Lord, we, we thank you for, uh, for, for that joining together that we are as brothers and sisters under your son. And Lord, I ask that you would continue to open our eyes, that we would see your kingdom in our midst. Lord, we thank you for the heavenly kingdom that is to come, but we know that you are calling us to be about your work and to participate in your activity here in this world. Lord, open our eyes to see your kingdom in our midst, that it would become more and more clear day by day. And Lord, for those of us who, in our heart of hearts, experienced an angst or a, a concern, a question, Lord, have I offered my life to you in this space, in this time? Lord, baptize us with your Holy Spirit. Pour your Holy Spirit upon us that, that you would deeply uh, find a home, a rest within us, Lord, and that in that space, in our lives, in our hearts, you would be received and you would be known, Lord. Lord, baptize us by water in the Spirit so that we might be accounted as, as, as brothers and 
and sisters under your son. Lord, I pray, oh God, in this space and time that you would lead us to confess our sin. Lord, we are broken and we are in need of a Savior. And Lord, we profess your son Jesus as Savior. Lord, we call upon his holy name, Jesus, Lord of all creation, Jesus, my personal Lord and Savior. May we then be born again so that our eyes would be open as well to see your heavenly kingdom in our midst.